0: All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's edition of American Billiard Radio. Today is June 15th, 2017, and my name is Mr. Bond. I'll be your host once again this week. And what's going on in pool? Well, we have to give out some great big congratulations to Mr. Darren Appleton and Tom Rossman, our newest inductees into the BCA Hall of Fame. Congratulations goes out to both of those. Darren will be inducted under the player category, and Mr. Rossman will be inducted in the uh, meritorious service category. And it just so happens that uh, we'll be talking to Mr. Rossman here in just a couple minutes, so stick around for that. But first, we also have to give congratulations to Mr. Shane Van Bonen. He took the title out uh, in Edison, New Jersey, at the Make It Happen One-Pocket Extravaganza, produced by Accustat, which is always a great event, the uh, Shane you know battled it out, and I want to tell you there there was really one of the hardest fields I think that he's had in that event in a long time. Um, Billy Thorpe, um, I just uh, what's his name, Josh Roberts, uh, two strong up-and-coming players they held them out to the end so that that was a fantastic competition and a fantastic win on shane's part congratulations to all those guys uh, out on the west coast mr uh bo runnigan bo uh our friend from uh on the wire uh creative media bo runnigan won the title out at the inaugural brendan crockett memorial uh, great event, great cause, and congrats to Bo. That, that's also got to be a, 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 a shining moment. for, And he's a good guy, so we'll, we'll let him slide with that one. <laughs> also, if you're a big pool fan, you probably know that the World Cup of Pool is going on right now. Holy cow. 32 teams, 32 two-man teams from around the world competing in this one. Uh, Super tough competition going on there. Wow. Uh, Shane Van Boning and Justin Bergman are over there representing us. Two super strong players, obviously. Um, They're playing a match tomorrow. So if you guys are interested, go over to the uh, MatchroomPool.com website. There you can get your info on how to catch the stream and the standings and what have you also another top quality event produced by Matrim. There's your headlines for the week. Stick around for one second and we'll be right back with Mr. Tom Rossman right after this. Right, everybody, welcome back. And I have on the line with me Mr. Tom Rossman, Dr. Q. How are you today, sir?
1: I'm doing really well. Thanks for asking.
0: Good, good, good. I want to congratulate you on your latest uh, achievement, which is a big one. The, uh, the nomination or the, uh, uh, what do you call that, induction into the Hall of Fame. How does that make you feel? That's good.
1: Well, it makes me feel pretty good. It's been a long journey, <laughs> I'll tell you, 50-some years of being in the Bayard industry, and so this is quite a surprise. One one more uh, stepping stone to follow along on. Uh,
0: yes, sir, absolutely. I, I mean, you, like you said, this has been a long, long time uh, that you have been in the business. My goodness. Um, how long, I mean, I know you said 53 years. Uh, how old were you when you knew that you wanted to play pool?
1: Well, I I grew up on a farm in Illinois. My dad took me into a little pool room, and they they just happened to be needing somebody that uh, could rack the balls, and I didn't know what any of that was about. So (laughs) I became a rack boy before I went to college, and then... I continued racking in college, and I continued racking at semi-pro level, and I continued racking to professional level. So I (laughs) kind of became a professional racker through the whole process.
0: (laughs) That's kind of ironic, you know. Like, what do you do best? Well, I rack better than anybody else does.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, we we have uh, not just the racking, but uh, you know, I I do the entertainment. That's really my oh, sure, yeah. I've been I've been I've been gifted with, and uh, when I got to into the professional arena. I met my wife, Marty, who just, I'm named Dr. Q, my wife's name is Miss Q, that's M-S-C-U-E, and, <laughs> and she uh, she's uh, pretty been the, the wheel that steers me down the road and keeps everything going, so good. 30 years we've been on the road in marriage together, it's been awesome. So without yes. her, I probably wouldn't be on this phone right now.
0: That's fantastic. Well, behind every good man is a good woman, like they say, you know?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, one that's of those correct. Things. So I, I'm, I'm really thrilled about the whole thing.
0: Well, you know, so if we could, um, you know, kind of do like a a scan over the big career that is yours, so many uh, accomplishments and things. Is there is there a, a, a either a period or an event that kind of stands out as your favorite? Like where you just love that part the best?
1: Well, actually, it, it's it's kind of been the whole journey. I, I think so, when I just even as a rack boy, I. I was taught basically how to enjoy the sight and sound of the balls and Mm -hmm. the way they roll across the table in a very positive way. So that kind of uh, cemented a foundation for me to carry that on in life. So I went to college. That continued on in intercollegiate competition. Uh, I think when I got out of college, I graduated from uh, college, I ended up working for uh, Brunswick for a couple years, Mm -hmm. and then I started to play professional tournaments. But I was never really at the top of my nine-ball or eight-ball game, I played mostly bank pool, but uh, I I got involved in doing a few trick shots, and then uh, I heard about this thing where once in a while you could (laughs) do a competition, and that started in 1980 under the BCA moniker, and I entered a tournament, got second place, and in 1982, I kind of spearheaded to the, McDermott had a uh, stop, and they called the McDermott Masters Open, and I won that. Mm-hmm. And so that real uh, that made me realize that maybe I had my. If you look at it as a football team, I became the center with that special gift to do the the hiking of the ball instead of the throwing the ball like a say a quarterback would yeah, do. So yeah. everybody has their position in the team, and and I found out mine was the uh, was the trick shot area, and, and later became the artistic pool field.
2: Yes, yes, and, yes, uh, yes.
1: And so that's been quite a journey in itself. Just that you know, and and I think a couple of highlights in that regard was. When I played in the ESPN 2002 Trick Shot Magic, and I won that, and that mm-hmm. was against uh, you know Mike Massey who was kind of my hero sure. growing up. Yeah, and then later we became teammates on Team USA for on the ESPN, and then in 2006 I played Mike in the finals on the uh, World Championship of the WPA. So those were all official events, and of course there've been many others, but those were my primary uh, competitive. Uh, memories that I'll never forget. They yeah. were
0: tremendous. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can imagine. So, I mean, Mike Massey, uh, like you said, he was an idol to a lot of us growing up. That's for sure. Because
1: right. right, outstanding. Yeah. You know, player. David. One of one of the other things is it wasn't so much even the competition. I think it was the just the camaraderie. And I realized that when I met my wife, we started doing shows full time, and we did for well, even to present day. We used to do you know anywhere from 250 to 300 shows a year. We did that for several years, and and that was a constant thing as an entertainment format. So, I basically followed the routine of what the Globe Trotters did in basketball. and I became what was known as the table trotter. Uh, we coined that phrase because we were able to literally go on the table. And you know how pool players when they play pool and they miss a shot, they get upset. Well, whenever I miss a shot, I kind of laugh at myself mm-hmm. and I tell a joke. And I ended up getting paid for these these little humorous quips, and eventually they became part of the journey. And And, uh, and then I became, uh, you know, into the professional field of teaching. I, I got to teaching the mathematical and the physics of the game, and all that went on and on. Right. And it just kind of came together in, in, in the present-day mode.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. What a journey that must have been. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, it's hard. We could. It would take me about four years to explain to you on, the, on, the, on this interview. But right, it's been a heck, it's been a heck of a journey. Yeah, it's been a great journey.
0: Well, not to go all the way back, but let me jump back real quick to one question. I wanted to hear your answer on this before you started into the trick shot stuff. What was your game of choice back then? Banks, or were you playing? It was bank. It
1: was okay. no, it was bank pool. Yeah. Okay. Bank gotcha. Pool.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, now
1: I remember. It's funny you mentioned that Dave, but I was in Chicago and. In in 1972, and and, and bank pool, I thought I was pretty good at it coming out of college. And <laughs> that night in Chicago, I played a guy, and I and I and the guy broke my heart in my wallet. And <laughs> I was working, for, I was working for Brunswick, and I realized that I could afford the wallet, but I couldn't afford my heart getting broken. So uh, yeah. I kind of made a reverse a reverse shift from the negative side of the game to uh, what. Yeah. I had been reminded of how to treat it when I grew up as a kid because the pool I worked in didn't allow a lot of that stuff. That's so That's right. Very right. interesting how I shifted back to the foundation yes. of the game.
0: absolutely true, and that is a very, um, you know, uh, ooh, I guess slippery slope. You know, the the dichotomy yes. that is pool, the dual life that it is. You know, the above ground and the underground. Oh, yeah. Well, and oh yeah, I want to tell you this. I'm a bit of a historian, and. Uh, specifically when it comes to Chicago-related um, pool and billiard history and whatnot. And one thing I've learned is that uh, now the trick shot, per se, is nothing new. I, I, I'm sure that you know. Um, it, the trick shots have been going on since you know they've been playing pool. So I've heard your name in, in being referred to as this reemergence of the modern-day trick shot artistry. Can you explain? Right. Yeah, explain this reemergence. Why? Why wasn't it already emerging? You know, why was it not a thing? And and how did it come back from wherever it was?
1: Well, when my wife and I were on the road back in the late sixty or late eighties and the early nineties, uh, we not we not only did the shows, but we started uh, doing trick shot uh, competitions sure. for the juniors and the amateurs in the beard industry under several different monitors. and. In that process, uh, the world body, the WPA, contacted me. It was actually under the WCBS, the World Confederation of Billiards Sports, a guy by the name of Jorgen Sandman, at that time, contacted me. He asked me if I would consider p- developing a pro program. So, eventually, th- I submitted a program, and they accepted it. And it actually opened the field up to six federational uh, op- uh, around the world, the six federations of the WPA, and. And there wasn't anything for guys like Mike and me before. It was it was kind Ooh, of limited right. to just a few people. That's
0: what that's what I'm but, getting at, right? Like there wasn't any kind of professional, actual no. championship for trick shots ever in history. Well,
1: well, there wasn't anything because there was no format or or, or program that had been laid out to allow everybody right. to participate in okay. a fair way. So, right, gotcha. so when I submitted the proposal, I, we used the umbrella term "artistic pool," which I had a product in 1991 called banks tricks and kicks and it actually showed how to competitively rate trick shots but not just trick shots that was only one of eight disciplines we had created a program called artistic pool which is kind of like diving in the olympics or not diving but gymnastics if you look at gymnastics there's eight eight or so disciplines or or a little less but they you can be the winner of parallel bars but not of rings necessarily so in our field you could be the winner of trick shots, right? there were things like masse shots and jump shots. So the program that we submitted to the international body was eight disciplines. And so whenever an event was held on a professional level, we had actually had nine champions. We had not only the overall champion on points, but we had a A champion and a stroke champion. And so this was a program that really took off, and it, it developed a lot of interest, not just at the – professional level but semi-professional tournaments and my wife and i started a tour called the dr q artistic pool tour and it we used it for semi-professional development and so Mm -hmm. but it just basically was the fact that nobody took it upon us as an initiative to develop it because it took a lot of work and uh in between shows in between shots i more or less worked with my wife to develop this program and it just took off once we submitted it and it was accepted and, and then eventually the juniors and the amateurs, they all came on board and we, we up to, to present day. Right. We're still working with a couple of organizations uh, over 23 years now. So it's really still got a good foundation to it.
0: No, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. We actually have uh, a set of your video instructionals over here, the uh, Foundation for Banking and Kicking and uh, yeah. Volume yeah. 1 and 2 and 3.
1: Well, that's actually a whole other side of our uh, work. That's, yeah, that's my teaching side, and I love—I've been teaching for forty years, and I love teaching. And and the teaching is now designed more uh, from the mathematical and the mental and the uh, heartfelt side of the game. So I'm I'm starting to evolve into a Miyagi style teacher, like what was based on the Karate Kids. So an Olympic style training technique. I love teaching. I just love to communicate with mm-hmm. students and. And I actually learn from them while I'm teaching them; they're teaching me. So it's an awesome uh, oh, yeah. coordination of the two.
0: Absolutely, instant yeah. feedback. You know, it's it's good stuff. It really is.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Well, okay. Now so one of the uh, thing, one day, can I mention one of the things? Yes. They hit One of thing, uh, as far as the artistic pool competitions, uh, there were records back from 1979 for what they called the trick shot competitions, and back in those yes. days, there were there were score sheets and documentations. Well, right. I. I had a friend named Steve out of North Dakota who had won the National Trick Shot Competition in 1979, and in 1980 I had a chance to play against him and got second place. Well, I didn't know much about it then, but I happen to keep all the records from 79 to present day. And, if, and I, on my website, com, under past, present, future, we have over 300 events that are listed with documented scoring registry, and it's like a legacy of registration for all the quote, trick shot in so much more events, including all the artistic pull events to modern day.
0: Awesome. That's fantastic stuff. That's, uh, I was just going to tell you, uh, or I was just going to mention that uh, I'm pretty sure we've got a, a fantastic video archive as well. And uh, I'm pretty sure that we've got a few of those matches that you're talking about on tape over here, too.
1: Oh, yes. Absolutely, yeah.
0: There's a bunch of those. Yeah, in it- you know, and Moscone and Fats would sometimes do that kind of stuff. It wasn't, like you said, it wasn't under any kind of a format. They would just do it as an yeah. exhibition type thing. But, uh. yeah.
1: you, know, you know, David, what's interesting about how it was done up until about 1993 officially, in, in, when, when those items took place before that, most of the players were doing the competitions and doing the trick shots as a sideline. Yes, and
2: exactly. And what, what
1: what the concept, the, the thing that this vision that I came up with and my wife was... To reverse that role and to do the artistic pull of the trick set on the front of the equation and then if it so happened we compete, that would be just kind of a bonus, but we focused on the trick movement and the artistic right. pull movement so that allowed us
0: Absolutely. to expand
1: the field that had never been touched upon before.
0: Absolutely. No, you're right. It had never been competitively structured right. or, or scored, like you said, and it's come so far right. since then. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, now you've got you know Florian Kohler who's all over the internet oh, yeah. and you know and oh, Matthew yeah. Weber and these other kids that are coming up having a the time of their life and the viewers are enjoying it too so this has really been a good way for uh, sort of average thrill seekers to get a piece of this pool that we all love yeah you know yeah.
1: you know David there there's there are hundreds of young players around the world that have been putting stuff online and they do their own tricks in their own little apartment buildings. And i tell you, there are just so much raw talent out there oh, yeah. that one day hopefully we'll be able to compete, you know, as they can afford the expenses to come to the tournament. So right. we're looking forward to these young guys coming up. You know, it's funny now when I get a young guy and I walk, I walk up to a person, the guy, I'm actually looking up at them. You know, they're like six foot three or four, and I'm five foot seven. So... And I'm looking up at them, and the guy will look at me and said, "You remember me?" And I said, "It used to be down here, and they were like four foot seven, you know." <laughs> yeah. And these these little kids twenty two years ago that have grown up now into adults that were doing it competitively. So it's quite a great joy to see that with oh, these kids yeah. growing up.
0: Absolutely, and 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 as I'm sure that you know, and maybe the viewers out there or the listeners, maybe they do or don't know, uh, any sport or activity in any country if you want it to thrive and be productive and useful and not just yeah. some boring pastime, then the kids need to get involved. They need to get involved heavily at a young age for the educational right. prowess you that you learn best when you are young. Your skill sets are at their best. Everything is, you know, let's have them pick this up any way that we can attract them to it. If it's the trick shot artistry, fine. That's correct. You know, if it's a tournament play, by all means, you know, bring on the children because this there is nothing, nothing but smart for the brain that comes out of this game. I mean, really,
1: that's for, you know, without the juniors and and you know another big one of the biggest assets to the beard industry have been the the amateur league concepts. You know, those have actually helped the billiard industry stay strong. You know, when a lot of other areas things have gone down a little bit, but uh, these kids and these young amateurs are just tremendous, uh, catalyst to keep us going, you know, so it's wonderful to see that.
0: Absolutely. Well, and I only have really like one more kind of a question for you. Um, it's, we're going to flip the coin over, you know, um, if you, you, we've talked about what was great about it. Was there something that wasn't so great about this 50 year journey? What was the worst part?
1: Well, maybe there was, there hasn't been enough of it yet, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently uh, you didn't you you it didn't chase
0: you off, whatever it was, it
1: didn't chase you, you, you away. Know, so. You know, Dave, I think what has really inspired me to keep going strong is the fact that the game has so much joy built within it. And, and that's what keeps me going. I, every kind of, time something came up that maybe was a little bit negative, yeah. I tried to turn that around. It's like if you have a flat tire in your car, you gotta remember there's still three good ones. <laughs> so, so so I started to I started to find out that in every miss there was a make in disguise and for every yeah. loss there was a win in disguise. And you know, you don't have to win on paper to be a winner at this game and be a true champion. It's what's in your heart. That's true. So so every time something negative would creep in, I kinda realized that I wasn't gonna focus on the negative, I was gonna try to, to turn it around and see there's gotta be some light in that darkness
0: yes sir and
1: and that that's what i tried to find so i don't ever really dwell on that i don't think there was really hardly much to speak of because once i got if i saw it i just turned away from it and i went the other direction
0: sure 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 well um that's the uh you know as far as i'm concerned the only way to approach it you know uh yeah there's n- negativity uh in any aspect is really not worth your time it's not worth anybody's time so it's uh yeah I think that yeah. that's uh, having a good having the right attitude would go a long way. Uh, or must have gone a long way is keeping your keeping your spirits in the game.
1: I don't think uh, I would be where we're at now if if I'd have been focusing on the negative cuz there's there's been a fair share of it but you know if you dwell on that, then you don't. Re- you're just sapping uh, your your strength and your spirit to do what uh, yeah. you're intended to be doing. So Absolutely. I just uh, focused on the on the other side of it, and it seems like it's worked out. And of course, with this with this the Hall of Fame deal. I mean, that's that's kind of fulfillment to many years of yeah. of input. So it's, what a joy that is.
0: It, well, I'm again congratulations because uh, I. I can't, I can't say I've walked in your shoes, but I can imagine what it's like, and to finally get acknowledged after all this time is, must be fantastic.
1: So that's yeah, great. it's just yeah, it's it's just I think there's. There's there's things on the horizon, and this is part of an equipping to the next stage. And yes. but I, I really tr- I really treasure the moment, and thank the BCA so much for doing that.
0: Follow up question: So what you said, you mentioned it on the horizon. So what's that, you've got the the Hall of Fame under your belt and fifty years yeah. under your belt. What's in the future for Mr. Tom Rossman?
1: Yeah. Well, I think right now it's you know I I have a spiritual life as well, and one of the things I that I really have found out that. I know all of this has happened for a reason, so I'm looking forward to the next open door that comes up, and right now, I've been, since 2010, I've been doing some outreach ministry over in different countries, cool. and, uh, and, and as a teacher, we, we like to share the Gospel more or less on the pool table, so what we right. do is, I have a ministry uh, group out east, and working with Gospel Church Shop Ministries, and the Rack Vision I had in 84. I'm really looking forward to sharing the joy of the game and, and the good news on the table in the future. However, wherever God wants me to take me, I'm ready to go. It's no, not a problem. Cool,
0: cool. That sounds like a, a, I mean a, a most worthy cause, I must say.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, this is part of that. You know, one of the things I've discovered, if you don't have titles and you don't have different things like Hall of Fame, a lot of times people don't really look at you. They They want to hear from a pool player, but... Sometimes we get equipped in life, and they're they're made for a purpose so we can reach more people. And I think yeah. God's got a lot of stuff in store for me I don't even know about yet.
0: Yeah, you very well could be right, sir. You never yeah, know.
1: I'm 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 looking forward to that. And you're part of that journey, David. So thanks for the interview. <laughs> we appreciate that. Hey, you
0: know, everything happens for a reason. You know, so that's uh, you got it. We'll have to be a part of. it. Well, thank you, sir, for taking your time. Congratulations, 1,000 times for the the uh, induction. Uh, and, uh, is there anybody you want to send a shout out to a sponsor or any friends or family?
1: Well, you know, Marty and I have been self-sponsored our whole life under our Dr. Q promotions label. We, we, okay. we've been freelancers our entire life. And so I just, I just think in general that anybody out there who has an aspiration to do something in life, whatever it might be, follow your dream and follow your passion and, and use the gifts you've, you've been given to, yes, to sir. for that purpose and, That's all I can say. That kind of goes out
0: to everybody. Absolutely. And that's a great message. I agree wholeheartedly. All right. Thank you once again, everybody, for joining us. And we will talk to you again right here on American Billiard Radio. All right, welcome back, everybody, and I am talking to Melinda Bailey down in the great state of Texas. How are you doing, Melinda?
3: I'm doing great. Hi, everybody.
0: So I'm sure you've been doing lots of pool writing, as you usually do, and you've got some kind of fantastic topic for this week, right? I do. All right.
3: But... But? (laughs) uh
0: Uh-oh. There's a big but. It's
3: actually, yes, but it's actually something um i didn't write about recently it's actually okay. something that 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 happened recently okay. and uh i i've actually written about it before um but it's kind of reared its ugly head again okay. um, and i want to talk about it with you all right and the fine folks listening <clears throat> um basically i am a tournament director of the omega Billiard Store. i've been doing it about mm-hmm. five or six years and i was a tournament director of the Hunter Classics Tour, which is now the OBQ's Ladies Tour, and right. I did that for about nine years. Right. And so I have a ton of tournament director topics that we could talk about. Yeah. I mean, a ton. <laughs> Probably so. A lot so. Of things that people, <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of things that people don't even realize that goes on, that can go on, that, you know, I mean, sure. I could, I mean, seriously, I would have a topic for you every single week of the entire year. <laughs> but uh, the one I want to talk about today is something that just happened recently, and I'm, I'm actually hesitant to even talk about it because um, some people are upset about it.
2: Uh-oh. But
3: um But the one, uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> The one thing as a tournament director is, I'll be straight up and honest and say that, that the players come first. And um, I mean, the sponsors are important. I'm not saying the sponsors aren't important, but the players come first. And when and when it comes to two-day tournaments, you know, Saturday is very busy and there's a ton of people and all the tables are being used. Down here, we the, the average, at least in Dallas-Fort Worth, is about 12 tables. And so on Saturday, we're just fast and furious. There's, a you know, people everywhere and, um, you know, matches, you know, back to back to back till probably about between 11 and 11, sometimes 1 o'clock in the morning. And they're just completely full all day long. Well, Sunday comes and we only bring 24 players back. And so if you think about that, um, that's usually eight matches on the winners, eight matches on the losers, that's... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, a round of you know matches, eight you know of eight matches, and then um, yeah, and so sixteen players, right? So, and so as you go on throughout the day, you're using less and less tables, and so what happens is, is the crowd, as a player, the crowd is more obvious to you. People right. in the crowd, people on the sidelines are more obvious, and I think it's a a blessing and a curse that I'm a player also. <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: because I've been playing for so many years, I understand more about distractions than just someone that's running a tournament. You know, right? That maybe doesn't have those exper- those um, experiences, right? And so, when it comes to Sunday, the players are actually playing for a lot of money. I mean, first place in the Megator is a thousand dollars, and I'm not even talking about the Calcutta, which is normally twice that, sometimes yeah. three times that. Right,
2: right, right.
3: And so, and that's just first place, and so second place you know it's still a lot of money third fourth i mean it's still no matter what it's still a lot of money but it's not just money you know it's status of course it's you know doing the best you can for rankings. you know yeah. can you give awards at the end of the year and you want to move up in the standings i mean there's a Absolutely. lot too yes and so what happens is, is on sunday is okay let's go back to Saturday. There's a thousand people, and there could be someone, you know, on the sidelines. We don't even notice them because there's so many people already there on Saturday. Sunday comes, there's only a few matches playing, and and again, the people on the sidelines are just more obvious. And so, again, I put the players first. I mean, that's you know, they're the ones playing for the money. They're the ones playing their heart out. They're the ones that you know. I mean, that's what I'm there for. I mean, don't again, I'm there for the sponsors and the pool rooms and stuff like that. Um, so I've had to ask a ton of people throughout the years to move from the playing area. Uh, Um, I do it, I do it all the time and, um, I don't have a natural smile. And so I try to say it and, and <laughs> smile. <laughs> uh, please move. I try to explain why. You know, I've learned throughout the years, okay, Melinda, you don't have a natural smile. It's coming across wrong. Okay, hey, why don't you explain why, Melinda? You There's know, a all name things. for
0: that. You know that, right?
3: Oh, oh yes. resting bitch face, yes. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> um, but being aware of that is, is important. But um, but also, again, explaining why people should move is also important. Well, I've... I've uh, as people move. Like I said, throughout the years, um, almost every single tournament. And the last tournament, I probably had to ask about oh, about twelve people to move. And that's really not uncommon. I mean, it's a little bit uncommon, but it's not. It's just the way the situ- it's just the way the pool room was set up. You know, people think they can just you know sit kind of close wherever they want. In reality, you're kind of in the area of the of the playing. You know, the of the of the players right. not realizing that you're kind of too close um that you can be a distraction um people think if they're just a table away that that's okay and it's it's really not i mean if you think about it if there's six p- tables and we're playing on one and and it's being streamed um and you're you're on like you know caddy corner you're, you're or you're right in front of the other table um you, it's you're actually kind of like the you know, the big tree that's in the road that you're not supposed to hit, you know, and you drive down the road and yeah. you hit it anyway, sort of thing. <laughs> I mean, you notice things like that. And you're also, you know, you know you're know, you trying to pay attention to the match. Your emotions are already high. Your, comp- You know, your blood, you know, everything is going on, and you're trying to focus so hard, and then here's this guy standing there or sitting there and not paying attention and think he's not in the way, and he's fidgeting, and, you know, and I know from... vast experience of players coming up to me (laughs) and complaining that, hey, can you move that person? Hey, they're distracting me. Hey, they're doing it deliberately. You know, I mean, I hear it all. And so what I do is is I try to ask people to move before I get the complaints because usually by the time someone complains to me, they're already upset and it's already affecting their game. So, again, because of my experience and because the players come first, I just want to tell people to move ahead of time. So, I did that at the last tournament. I asked someone to move, explained why, that they're playing for a lot of money, explained where they could sit, and they went off on me on Facebook about me. Hmm. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was really pretty. Um, yeah. And, um. you know, and, and, and I talked to a couple people, several people about it, and one player said, you know, we really appreciate that you ask people to move, you know, so don't, you know, some. Don't you know the thing about being a tournament director? You get your skin you gets your skin gets really thick, thick. after a yeah, while. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, But
3: it did still bother me. I mean, I don't want to upset any fan or any anyone watching. I mean, I don't well, ever no. want to do that. But the thing is, is that uh, it's happened in the past as well where players are so upset, seriously, or fans that also play pool, but not this competitively. That they're so upset as after I asked them to move, and they don't understand that they won't come back. Right. They've um, they've actually made comments in my blog, like you know the setting isn't set up for people to come watch, you know, and they're just and they're really upset, you know, that I that I asked them to move, and they don't understand. Um, I mean, I think they understand, but yet, <laughs> but yet they, but yet they don't understand. And so, as a tournament director, I, you know, it's tough to. Uh, satisfy everyone, and I know I can't satisfy everyone. No, but right, when it comes right. to it, it, but if people are in the playing area, I have to ask them to move, and and people get upset about it. Like I said, some have not come back. Some have, you know, blast me on Facebook. Some have, you know, I mean, there's just it's just amazing that I don't mean for it to ever come across personally. And I know it's not just me. I know every no. turn. I know every tournament has to deal with this. I'm just saying that. It's very unfortunate, and and here's what's crazy is is you know in the mornings I I have a players meeting and I talk to everyone and I and I tell all the players hey look, you know just so you know there's if you're not playing in the tournament you can't be in the playing area so if your cousin comes and watches you play please ask them to move right or if your you know friend comes whatever I say because I'm going to come over and ask them to move. And then someone pipes up. Well, you know, all those people that are going to come watch us aren't here. So, they're, so it's it's ironic that I'm giving this speech. You know, no one but players in the playing area. You know, <laughs> and yet the people that need to hear it aren't there yet. <laughs> you yeah, know? exactly. They're exactly. going to be coming later, or maybe they're not the cousin and they're just a fan and they don't know that they're not supposed to sit right there. And,
2: right. you know, and
3: so, um, it's, it's just very interesting. I've had to ask, um, I've had to move at, and no offense, but I've had to ask a lot of girlfriend and wives to move and they're all very cool about it. But sometimes what they say is, well, you need to ask her to move too. And they like point to the, you know, uh, <laughs> point yeah. to someone else that's yeah. kind of in the way. I'm like, Hey, I was on my way. Don't worry about it. You know, just, <laughs> but it's, it's, um, it's a very it's interesting weird, and b- tough situation.
0: Well, it is because, I mean, like, I don't know if it's just me. Um, I, um, ironically enough, with Born and Raised in Texas, um, we were sort of taught this uh, respect level. Uh, it, it, I say that, and I don't mean it as a as a cliche phrase, It's respect, respect, respect. It's more of like an awareness of the people are, around you. Uh, it, it's like a... Courtesy for for the people in the area, courtesy for drivers uh, down the road, courtesy to people that are in line with you. Um, I go to other places in the country and it's not they don't I don't know if they they don't see the same I don't, they don't feel the same way about it. Um, for for me it's a natural thing if I'm at a, a tournament or a uh, an exhibition or even just at the pool hall and I notice somebody having I'm so aware. That if I go into a pool hall and I see a serious match going down, I won't go anywhere near it if I can help it. And if I have to, I will be absolutely stealthy and or polite about the way that I move and or interact with the people around that. That's just me. Um, But I – so on the one hand, you know, I'm going to throw that at the individual and say, you know, consider yourself and your courtesy during an event like that. But – more importantly, all you have said about this so far is leading me to to two major things I'm pulling out of the conversation here. Number one is it needs to be said that a tournament director's job can suck really easily. It's a lot <laughs> of work, obviously. Yeah. You are handling yeah. uh, a lot of different people
3: with personalities, personalities,
0: yeah. person types, uh, career types, you know, literally different people. Um, and their own schedules, their own expectations versus your own schedule, you know, all that kind of – I mean, some of this is really obvious to, to some people. I'm want to be clear to the, those that don't know. Being a tournament director for even a somewhat small tournament is uh, a lot of work, a lot more than what it might seem. So if you have something to do, interaction with that person, keep in mind what has gone on, you know, what has had to happen up until that point number one number two if a tournament director comes to you and speaks to you for any reason there must be something important to be said because a tournament director does not have the time or the means or even the desire to come and track down people and hunt you down and say don't stand here please sign your name there can you properly spell that can you put your phone number you know give me your proper email address if they had to do that for every, if they had to you know handle every single person with kid gloves Nobody would want to do that job. Number one, number two, it would take forever. So be aware, number one, of what it takes to do these to put these events together at all. Number two, be aware of the play areas and the zones and what is happening within the tournament. It's not it's like like you said, just because your friend is there, or your brother or your girlfriend or boyfriend or your mom, or your husband, wife that does not necessarily mean that uh, you got free reign to just walk about the place and do whatever it is because these people are still playing a very serious game. (laughs) They're very involved in something, and their minds is all-encompassing. They're in it to win it. It's very serious to them. You cannot take that lightly and just go stick your feet on the rail. As we saw happen, it wasn't at one of your events. Um, Doggone it, where was it? It was there was some major exhibition, or some major match going on, and it really, it was a friend of somebody that was playing had their feet up on a chair, uh, right on the front row. It was like, really, you're that comfortable that you know you're not concerned about what the players are thinking about your you know behavior. As a, yeah, so I'm sorry, I don't, I don't mean to no lecture. But here's you know,
3: but. here's what's interesting to me about about what you're saying is is what you're saying is spot on, but the people that need to hear it aren't listening to this program. Probably not. You know, but, <laughs> but most most of the, and I say this with kindness, but most of the players know this. However, well, I have right. had some players get mad at me. You're I, right. I literally, I, I mean, I know people that play pool that have gotten mad at me, you know, because I've asked them to move. And, and yet they play pool. <laughs> and so... And so that's one that's one side of the story. But the but the other one is is um, is the players that just or the people that are just friends or maybe no offense but ball bangers or whatever. I mean they just don't you know they don't understand. And when I you know when uh, the other thing that happens this is very related. But the other thing that happens on Sunday is is I always like a buffer around the tables. So again, let's say there's six tables. I put one match in the middle because we're down to like the final four or whatever, and I want i li- i <laughs> I'm kind of a can I say the word bitch but uh i kind of a bitch because I don't want any any of the the regulars to be playing on the five tables around it
2: right,
3: and that's just how I am though i mean i don't I don't want any you know I don't want three people to come in and start just having fun and doing whatever when they're playing for five thousand dollars over here
2: right
3: and um you know so I always you know so I always have a buffer zone and and the players will come well, I don't understand and I'm like. You know, so I'm very lucky that the bartenders and the owners are very, and the waitresses are very aware that we want the buffer zone and the reason why we want the buffer zone so that they can help explain, you know, so when someone starts, they cross that little line and they start coming towards the table over there and they run to get them. No, you can't be over there, you know, because they are aware that, you know, we don't want distractions and things. And so that is very helpful. But going back to the other, you know, it's mostly the people that just. Just don't understand and don't know. You know, it's kind of like me. You know, I would go to a golf tournament. I may not know what I'm, uh, what I. I mean, I kind of do, but I may not know what I'm supposed to do, what I'm not supposed to do, the etiquette. You know, get mm-hmm. in the hole. You know, I know Tiger would take that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know?
2: yeah, yeah.
3: Or clap at the wrong time. I mean, know a lot of people don't know that. It, but my my thing is is kind of like what you're saying. You know, if the tournament director is asking you to do something, you know, first of all, don't take it personal. Second uh, right. of all, there's a reason why. There's a reason why.
0: There is and, gonna and, be what, a reason. Yes, Sorry. right.
3: And what's interesting is, is um, at one point there was um, um, there was t- two family members, and I had to ask them to move, and um, and uh, the the elder of the two got really mad, and and I thought about it. I was like, you know, if it was your son, daughter, cousin, brother, whatever, in the match. And, you know, I would have done the same thing for them, and I think you would have probably said something to me sooner about having these people move, you know. So I'm like, you know, it's not like, it's nothing personal, I promise. I'm just looking out for the players, because they need to focus. And I'm telling you, I want to, I want to, I don't want the players to be upset about a distraction, and then have to come to me. I want to that is exactly that. my point, right there. The game.
0: That's exactly I, the point I was just <laughs> about to interrupt you for was to say, if you've got the buffer zone. Now, and this is just a stupid example, but people cough, they sneeze, they laugh, they drop drinks, they knock things over. You know they, like, it's just that easy for somebody to get distracted if you've got the buffer zone there. It is actually, like you said, it is for the players. It is not for you. Right. It's certainly not for anybody else. But to give that player in that game a focus point, a clear zone where nothing weirds going to happen. There will be no, dis- hopefully, no strange oh distraction God. can accidentally happen where somebody's about to lose a couple thousand dollars and months worth of work. Because somebody dropped a glass on the table next to them, or somebody you know their stick fell over in the middle of a shot or what have right. you i right. I'm not saying that because I'm mean either, but I don't disagree with that at all if if you're you're blessed like I said that the the room owner will give up those tables for that time, yeah because you know there are other exactly. room owners that are like no, I could they could be playing on that and I could be making money. So the fact right. that they're willing to give you that buffer, hell yeah, that's fantastic, man. Yeah. All games should yeah, be played very, that way. Yeah, I'm very, definitely very
3: blessed around here for sure. Sure, yeah. You know, one thing that happened that you just reminded me of that I, I need to be more aware of is um, at the last tournament, I was sitting near near the final table that, that we use for the finals, the semifinals, and the one before that. And I really need to be careful where I sit because um, people do come up and talk to me because I am the tournament director, And at the last tournament, this drunk guy came up. I mean, he was drunk. It's okay. And he was telling me that he should be a certain handicap on the tour, and he thought he was being funny. Um, But, you know, I've heard it a thousand times. (laughs) Um, But then he, you know, I finally just try to get him to be quiet. But my point is, is we were so close to that match because I was sitting there that I need to be more cognizant of, you know, people may come up and talk to me. Because he actually actually went away with it tell between his legs but then he came back again forgot he had the conversation and was asking me again you know can i should be the poor right i'm like man you're freaking crazy you know (laughs) and this is you know unfortunately going on while this this Uh, match is going on so i actually need to be more aware of not sitting so close yeah,
0: yeah
3: to where if someone comes up and doesn't realize their voice carries or they're drunk or whatever you know
0: sure sure no, that's kind of funny. I mean, it's funny, but it's not funny. <laughs> I guess well, I that's gonna be, to be th- that. that's Because
3: I sit there and I'm quiet. You know, I'm not doing anything. And uh,
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that I, might I'm be the anything. title for this segment. <laughs> I think we should. I'm thinking of like what we should call the segment. Uh, it's funny, but it's not funny. <laughs> well, you always
3: come up with great titles.
0: And so. um, you know, because that's the thing. If you. There's so many people out there also that see the pool hall as is the good time place. You know. They really do want to freewheel it and just walk around and get as close to the match as they can. All right. So I'm not trying to, you know, rain on anybody's parade. I, no, I want you to I want you to see no. the action as up close as you can. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to be in on it. I want you to see it. I want you to be there for it, please. But yeah. uh at the same time, if we're spoiling what's actually going on there, then there's no point of anybody being right. there, you know. So nobody wants to be that guy that uh, got distracted from somebody that, that's... So you got a good point there, Melinda. Thank you for bringing that up.
3: You're welcome.
0: That
2: was I
3: hope time. it helps then this point. <laughs> the only thing maybe it'll help is if someone sees a friend walk over or something and because that would help out a tournament director but at the same time yeah. it's you know well, it, it is right. and that's the thing is it's it's my responsibility i mean it's no one else to go over and tell someone else to move it's my responsibility Well
0: true but you know what that you made a good point if you're like friends don't let friends be jerks at pool events you know what i mean <laughs> like if yeah. you see your buddy or your girlfriend wife husband kid brother cousin whatever it is you know just go hey psst, give them their space man relax Right don't you don't want to be the reason why that this goes wrong you know
3: right the, the other thing is and actually you just reminded me of this is that sometimes let's say uh, there's two players playing and one of them's girlfriend is over there you know sure. and, and people people don't realize this but when you have someone there at your match it makes you feel calm it yeah. makes you sure. more relaxed and yep. that's really not fair to your opponent and um so I sometimes have walked over and I said, Hey, you know, you can't sit here and they'll say, Well, I'm not even talking to them. I'm like, Well, that's really not the point <laughs> You know, yeah. it's like and I'm not okay, listen to um what's today? Listen to June 15th's uh
0: <laughs> Yeah to this to that <laughs> radio and right. you'll
3: find out why. But uh yeah. but no, I mean I just you know, then I just say, Hey look, no you know, if you're not playing you can't be in the playing area. But part of it is not just distraction. Um I mean most of it is ninety-five percent of it is distraction to the other people. But the other part of it is, is you don't want your opponent to to have an advantage of of having a friend there. You know, kind of like the coach in your corner sort of thing. You know,
0: absolutely. And so there's, there's there's
3: there's several reasons many reasons i should say for people to
0: well not sit in the plane, right? right perceived or not if it's if right. if, if there's some inequality there and in, uh the you know that's, it's like can he have a bottle of water well you know i can have a bottle of water too you know that kind of thing so you gotta you know.
3: that's actually really great in- inequality that's not you know that's perfect
0: really you know so Cool. Well, thanks, Melinda, for a wonderful chat awesome. once again this week. We appreciate it. I love
3: surprising you. You have no uh, idea. I, I mean, you never know what the topic is going to be. Y-
0: you're right. I'm, <laughs> I, I was just talking to Mark about that earlier. He said, "What's Melinda going to talk about?" I said, I, you, "You know, I don't know. I, she's going <laughs> to throw me under the bus and stomp on me. I guess." So, <laughs> all right. Well fortunately i think we we at least offered a positive message so that's a good thing
3: oh absolutely yes it's definitely it's not a bad thing it's just a great topic
0: yeah it is it is just more awareness you know interesting good stuff all right well thanks melinda we'll catch you next week and thanks to all the listeners
3: thanks everyone appreciate it